0: Uh, Would you live in the Philippines again someday?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. What makes it tough? Tough because you know when you open a Pandora's box and you cannot like unsee what you have seen, right?
0: Hi, I'm Alan Montecilio, and this is Balak Bayan, a podcast for Filipino Americans. My guest today is Natalia Rojas. On episode one, you heard a little bit from Sarah Lynn Pablo about the story behind Filipino Kitchen and the Cultura Festival in Chicago. Natalia co-founded Filipino Kitchen with Sarah Lynn. She's also a photographer and the organizer of Cultura Festival, which is, a again, a Filipino food and arts festival happening on Sunday, August 19th in Chicago. Before we get started, I, I want to thank all of you who've been supporting this show in its first few weeks. I really appreciate it. Thanks for telling people about it, or sharing it on social media. I've gotten some great show ideas, and please keep those coming. Feel free to reach out at talk at balikbianshow.com. And of course, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Facebook as well. So without further ado, here's my interview with Natalia Rojas. I hope you enjoy it. So Natalia, we met a couple years ago, and we've hung out a few times in Chicago, uh, but I don't actually know that much about your childhood. So tell me, where, where did you grow up?
1: Well, I was born and partly raised in the Philippines. And so a lot of my childhood was in the homeland, <laughs> but also partly raised in San Francisco. So it's like a, a back and forth, but majority of it was back home in the Philippines.
0: Okay. So where, where in the Philippines did you grow up?
1: It was divided between Manila and Laguna.
0: Okay. Um, I don't know much about Laguna. What's, what's it like?
1: I grew up in a rainforest. Um, when people ask me where I'm from, I say, I'm a child of a forest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it throws them off really Uh bad. Yeah. (laughs) It is a resort, um, that has been around since, um, the seventies. It's a virgin rainforest that we only have developed like more or less like seven acres of it.
0: And what brought your family there? What brought them to Laguna?
1: Yeah, it's it was ancestral land. <laughs> uh, my great grandfather. Um, it was going to be given to him, but he insisted on purchasing the land from his great aunt. And since then, it has been in the family. I mean, from what we know, it has been in the family since forever ago. It feels like.
0: <laughs> okay, so so you grew up splitting your time between mostly the Philippines and and the Bay Area. What do you remember most about your visits to the states when you were a kid?
1: It's just like, you know, realizing that you have cousins that have blonde hair and blue eyes, <laughs> but they're like blood related to you and you have, you know, I have cousins that were black. I think that was like the my first concepts of um race because back home I was fair and you know what you would call a mestiza, but at the same time it's like when I'm here I felt like the United Colors of Benetton. <laughs> and I thought it was cool.
0: <laughs> so now, now you live in Chicago. Um, so was coming to the U.S. always in the cards or was that something that was decided later on in life?
1: I did not think about it until I was like 13 and 14. Um, I was really I'm a big marine nerd. With me saying that my plan was to finish high school here and go to college here to be a marine biologist, because even though as much as like our our oceans and seas are a bounty in the Philippines, but programming-wise, it's not necessarily great programming um, unless you're affiliated with um, foreign research teams or um, researchers that does the studies in the Philippines. So. It's weird that I have to pull myself out of there to be able to study or like, you know, study our marine life. It's just like this crazy system, right? So what I did um, around when I was 13 or 14, I talked to my mom and I told her that I would want to live with my dad, which my dad was living here in Chicago. And she asked me why. And I told her because number one, it was educational opportunities, (laughs) And that is never an easy um, conversation to have your with your mother around that age, you know, kind of stomping in and be like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to move across the world. How you feel about that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you will never see me in person. <laughs> you will never see me in person for a long time. I can't imagine that going over well with any parent, right? I mean, how, how does your mom react to that?
1: She was heartbroken because, you know, my, my, my parents were divorced and I grew up with my mom. So it was not an easy conversation either. And I told her also that I didn't want to grow up and be older in my life, that I didn't give my father a chance like to get to know him you know, we kept on visiting the conversation and we kept on, I did not insist, like I would have a conversation with my mom and just tell her like, these are, this is what I wanted to do. And it was mostly for academics. Like I really wanted to be a marine biologist. And, you know, when she said yes, we talked to my dad and, you know, he picked me up and I moved out here when I was 15.
0: What do you remember from your your first days living in the U.S.?
1: It was July, so it was hot as balls.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's familiar, right? You're like, hey, this is just like home.
1: Yeah, so that's one thing. Um, and the first thing that we did was enroll for high school. I ended up going to Amundsen High School, and I remember walking in there, and they wanted to hold me back. I was already like a sophomore in the Philippines, and they wanted to hold me back. So put me back in my freshman year. And I remember threatening my the principal and the counselor.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. What I, do you mean? Like, what, what was that? What because
1: happened? they wanted to put me on ESL. Oh, and God. I was like, I literally put my hands down on their desk, like both of my hands. My dad couldn't do anything. And I was like, I dare you to test me right now. I can read, write, and speak better English than 90% of your student body. And they were like, <laughs> and so they gave me the test, and I aced it, so I didn't have to do ESL. Then I fought for them to either retain me at sophomore or or move me up to junior year, because the only classes that I didn't have was drivers ed. So that would be the only sophomore class that I would have taken. I had to prove so many things, like. Oh my gosh, like I doubled up on classes just to make sure that I graduate like kind of sort of in the same time as my batchmates in the Philippines. All the extra credit, all the honors classes, AP classes. Um, they even asked me if I wanted to test in for IB and I was like, nope.
0: Um, so apart from simply just being at school, what were some of the biggest adjustments you had to make when you were first living in Chicago?
1: Well, number one, I had to clean. And number two, I had to do laundry. <laughs> that was a great, big, giant adjustment because I never
0: did that until that point of my life. Um, okay, right, right. Because when you were in Laguna, did, did you did you have domestic help when you were living in Laguna? Or... I mean, I
1: was privileged enough to do have a household staff. So having that privilege and acknowledging that, like, that was the tough. Adjustment part for me because when I was back in the Philippines, all I did was I went to school, I went home, I went out with my friends and with my family, and I was mostly focused on school. I didn't have to think about waking up and what am I going to eat for breakfast because my nanny already cooked me breakfast, and my clothes are ironed, and my lunch is set. I don't need to think about those things. When I came here, those were the things I needed to think about. I needed to wake up an extra half an hour to eat or to get ready. I had uniforms in the Philippines, and here i I can wear whatever I want, and that lasted like that novelty lasted like two seconds for me. <laughs> it was an adjustment that I needed to balance helping out with household chores like as minuscule as cooking rice and you know, one time I was just so into my homework and that was the first thing I do when I go home is do homework. And I forgot that my dad told me to make rice when I got home and he yelled at me and he got mad at me. And it's like I felt so hurt at that moment in time. But at the same time, it's like I get it like they were tired from work.
0: Those were the the difficult adjustments for me. So I want to fast forward a little bit. And, and this is a question I asked Sarah Lynn as well. I wanna fast forward to the time right before Filipino Kitchen started. What, what was going on in your life during that time?
1: At that point, I was a preschool teacher. I know, right, what a jump. <laughs> um, I just came back home from the Philippines um, after my quarter life crisis. Uh, I went home and I was praying and meditating to like, what life will bring me here. And then I came back here and I got a assistant, like a floater, like a teacher's assistant job um, in a preschool. Then I worked my way up and like, took some certifi- certification classes to be able to become a preschool teacher. Then I transitioned into being a nanny because my dad was sick. So I need a flexible, um, flexible schedule.
0: So I've heard Sarah Lynn's version of how Cultura started, and I know it involves some version of like the two of you getting together, writing down your biggest dreams on really big sheets of paper. And and one of them was a huge Filipino food event. And then it kind of all I know from there is that it kind of just happened, actually. So Cultura is in year four now. Does that version of events square with what you remember as far as kind of like the origin story goes?
1: That was, oh my God, that background story about Kultura was even crazier than what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It started earlier that year of 2015. We were in California and another Filipino food festival had happened. And some of the participants of that particular festival were asking, you know, what would you do if blank? Because at that point, I was also doing a side hustle with another local food company in Chicago that I was working Lollapalooza, Riot Fest, Pitchfork, Bonnaroo, like all these different festivals being a food vendor. So they were asking, it was like, you have events experience and, you know, what would you do if like they were throwing scenarios at me? And I was like, well, I would do this and I would do that. And then we were overheard by somebody who is part of a media group. And he goes like, you know what? We we have some money and like, if you put, and we need to break into the Chicago market, you know, we'll back you up if you do this. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Sarah was in the bathroom literally like for two minutes. And I turned around and i was like, guess what, bub? And he was like, what? We're throwing a festival, and yeah, uh, we threw we put it together in seven weeks. <laughs> so one by one, we asked some of our friends for a dinner date, and told them about this idea. And at that point, everybody was like, "Yeah, sure, we're 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 in." And after that, like, so that took a while to like build a team, right? so that's how it started it's you know a lot of it like we joked around about Filipino Kitchen having the culture of yas because when people ask us hey do you want to do this we're
0: like yes I mean that's what both of you also said when I messaged when I reached out to both of you and said hey I want to do this podcast too it seems like you both had that already but that's kind of you've developed that even, even more over the past few years as you've done more and more stuff
1: yeah, because, like, by the end of the day, you know, especially us Filipinos, that we are known to tear each other down when all we needed to do is support each other and lift ourselves up, right? I and didn't know we were
0: known for that. Is a, is that a thing?
1: It's a thing. Yep. It's called crab mentality. Oh exactly. Oh, you can go down a freaking rabbit hole about this. I
0: probably will. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Um, It's basically... You're saying that, it seems like you've also experienced that, based on what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, I have experienced it, I have witnessed it, I have... So, it's a lot of these, like, it's microaggression and passive aggressiveness towards um, another Filipino. And it's normally, you know, done when you're seeing somebody who is, like, you know, reaching a certain level of success. You'll hear this, like, kind of whisper like whispers in the back goes like oh her ego got too big she's like you know she used to be like this and whatsoever and then like just characterly and like personally tearing people down so that is what we're known for (laughs) one of the things and sarah and i definitely wanted to like
0: not be that way we're going to take a short break when we come back we will continue this conversation with natalia rojas stay tuned Hi, this is Dennis in Manila. I'm Alan's dad.
1: And this is Isa, Alan's mom. Alan is working on an episode about Filipino nicknames, and he needs your help. If you have a nickname and want to share the story behind it, you should either leave a voicemail or record a voice memo on your smartphone. To leave a voicemail, call 971-800-1389. That's 971-800-1389 or record a voice memo using the app on your phone and email it to talk at balikbayanshow.com. And by the way, if you don't have a nickname and want to share how you feel about that, please reach out as well. Okay, back to the show.
0: I have these kind of questions. I don't have a name for this yet. It's kind of a Filipino lightning round thing of questions that I want to I kind of want to ask most Filipinos I meet but there's not really always a good way to work them into regular conversation so I'm just going to ask you some of them right now if that's okay go ahead all right do you have a nickname
1: yes that would be either Talia Nat or well my sister calls me Nana
0: is there a, a kind of a nickname that your family calls you
1: it depends on who you speak
0: with. If you speak to my brother, he'll call me Ta- uh, Diniweeds.
1: I know. Very weird. Okay. But my other nicknames, I will
0: not disclose that to the public. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I understand. I think that's
1: enough nicknames. Um, <laughs> ube or Mango? Mango. Well, mm, Ube. Uh, both.
0: I know it's an unfair question.
1: It's an unfair question but Ube.
0: Okay. Uh, how do you feel about karaoke?
1: Uh makes feelings. I mean, all I think about is my family. My sisters are really great at karaoke.
0: And is that a yep. mixed feelings So just like when when you think about your family and karaoke it's like yeah, I don't know. Well,
1: makes feelings because when karaoke's busted out like oh man, it's like a choir like everybody sings like And it's like songs, uh, some songs that are just like hella embarrassing to songs that you like, even though it's embarrassing, just embrace it. Just
0: you're with family. (laughs) Were you raised Catholic? Yes. Would you still call yourself Catholic now? Uh, I have not
1: been calling myself a Catholic for a long time. So nope.
0: All right. Um, so on a scale of one to ten, one being non-existent and ten being fluent, how would you rate your uh, mastery of Tagalog? A ten. You spoke it growing up. Yep. I mean, yeah,
1: half and half. I even I got better speaking Tagalog when I started community organizing.
0: Oh, interesting. Because
1: I was being made fun of my um or my American accent when i spoke tagalog so
0: i made so you got you got better at it when you were in chicago yep huh i know right yeah and of course the interesting thing about that is i feel like in the philippines having an american accent is its own kind of signal oh yeah itself. it's
1: glamorous
0: yeah exactly and you can't win
1: nope <laughs> <laughs> not in this lifetime <laughs>
0: Are there other dialects that, that uh, are kind of relevant to your your background that are kind of in your life, or is it mostly Tagalog and English?
1: It is Tagalog and English. I mean, I can. I mean, I know like random words of like Bisaya, but that's basically like three words, mm-hmm. and so I do not qualify that. That would be a one on your on the spectrum. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: would you live in the Philippines again someday?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. What makes it tough? Tough because, you know when you open a Pandora's box and you cannot, like, unsee what you have seen, right? Every time I'm home, I'm very conflicted because, like, I live in this bubble. I can be in the forest and be okay.
0: Right, like in, in Laguna, like the resort kind of Yeah, area. yes.
1: You know, provided for. There's water, there's food, there's shelter. When you're in the metro and you kind of, like, you know, and this is possibly the community organizer in me that you always wanted to see and how to improve and like how to help or, but also keep on consciously recognizing that don't play the hero. That's why I say it's like, that. that's a very difficult question because do I want to move back and live there? Maybe a part of me does because a lot of the research that we do for Filipino Kitchen is based out there to understand food waste, understand culture, to understand a lot more of the nuance conversations. But at the same time, I know just because of my own family's predicament, I can easily be jaded and then I need to keep up with a certain facade.
0: A certain facade.
1: Yes. Of like, you know, keeping up, like kind of like, you know, keep, keeping appearances in which to a certain extent, then my time is not my own. If I do move out there, I'll probably like you know want to live in a very remote island. <laughs> <laughs> I can be who I am, what I am, how I want people to perceive me here, but when I'm back home, there's always that hindsight of who you should be and who you are. It's a difficult um sometimes I have difficulty with it sometimes um sometimes it could be a point of argument between me and my mother, but other than that, it's crazy.
0: Does she want you to be back?
1: Of course. I mean, all of us siblings live out here. So she wants us back. And I always tell her like, it, you know, it's not, it's not as easy as you, you think it is. Um, and every time I'm there, like even for the last time I was there, it was like for a long time and I was there for almost four months and, it was it was kind of crazy like there 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 were, there were there were certain moments that i was like what the heck am i doing here for this long <laughs> this is not fun anymore <laughs> you know i mean you get spoiled you, you know you you get spoiled you get to connect with a lot of people but when you do ask questions like some people would just tell you straight up to shut up and like don't talk about those things and i couldn't fully understand why would people shut me up <laughs> when I'm just like asking a legit question, so to speak, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems like I mean, you know, we've we've hung out a couple times. I interviewed you a couple years ago, and we're talking now. Clearly, from what we've been talking about, you seem to be pretty open about talking about things, except for your your nicknames. But um, <laughs> um, but you're pretty. Uh, I don't know. I feel like you're pretty open and. It seems like in a, an environment where like you said keeping up appearances and saving face in difficult situations and not yes kind of uh not being direct it seems like you kind of struggle in that environment.
1: Yeah, I mean it it was um it was hard. I mean, it was difficult for me personally when over here I feel like I'm a very outspoken human being and yet when I got there it was just like oh, I need to censor myself. And I was really not a big fan of um, censoring myself <laughs> because I feel like, you know, there are certain things that just needs to be talked about. And, you know, sometimes I, I buttheaded headed with my mom and, you know, it's not necessarily the best feeling to butt heads with your mom because for me, it's always like everybody's time for me is a borrowed time and i wanted to make it as best as i could and when we would argue i feel like you know i'm i'm just speeding that clock up and i'm like i don't want to regret any of it but at the same time i feel like i needed to voice it out then she would just like not necessarily understand where i'm coming from and then i'll be just like
0: oi oi <laughs> when you say disagreements are, did they center around any specific themes or what are you what are you talking about?
1: Sometimes out views in politics
0: mm-hmm. when I'm very outspoken about the Philippine
1: government. And a lot of times she'll be like, do not talk about that and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? why not? <laughs> <laughs> These are issues in front of us. Or Yeah. Um, I would have conference calls sometimes and like, you know, I mean, we share an office, so she'll hear me. And then she'll be like, you know, you should not knock down about Americans. Remember, you're part white. And I was like, ooh. And I'm like, see, this is like a colonialized mindset.
0: There's so much to unpack in that.
1: Exactly. And I'm like, oh, or as simple as like an argument of like, she'll tell me you need to change your purse according to your outfit every day. And I'm like, girl, uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Or sometimes like as blatant for her as like running a joke of like, you're so fat. And I'm like, my body, my choice. Stop body shaming me. Like as blatant as that, then she'll get offended because I answered her back. And then so.
0: Yeah. And now it's like, oh, Natalia doesn't have a sense of humor.
1: Exactly. And then she tells me like, I was just joking and she goes like, Well, I'm a heavy set woman too. And I'm like, Well, make fun of yourself then, not me. (laughs) And then when I answer that way, then she feels like it's a disrespect. And then so goes down to the whole like, Well, you know, I've raised you for blah blah blah. I've raised you by myself, and it's like then it's just like, Oh, now I feel like I'm the most ungrateful child in the world. Uh You know, because like It just circles back to that. But also, like, I need to understand that all of us siblings are not there. And she gets lonely. She gets, you know, it takes extra effort for me. Whereas, like, where I'm here, and it's a very, at that point, very different relationship with my dad that I can just walk away and he'll just leave me alone. You know? Um,
0: Yeah. You're you're also more free to be yourself here, but also you're not, I mean... You're really far away from from your mom. Yeah. Natalia, thanks so much. Thank you so much, Alan. Thanks for listening to Balak Bayan. That was Natalia Rojas. Uh, once again, Cultura Festival is taking place Sunday, August 19th in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago. Tickets can be found at Filipino.Kitchen. I believe they're $15 for general admission, $10 for seniors, 5 for students, and free for kids under five. That does it for today's episode. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher or wherever else you get your shows. You can also listen at com and find the show on Twitter and Facebook at Balak Show. You can also send me an email. I'm at talk at com. Balak Bayan is produced by me, Alan Montesilio, Theme music by RV Mendoza and Blue Dot Sessions. The show's logo is by Niccolo Pizarro. I'll see you all in two weeks, and thanks for listening.